Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. You know it's strange, but true. The most important turning points of life often come at the most unexpected times and in the most unexpected ways. Most of us can easily identify that one moment in life where things were going in one direction and then out of nowhere, we intersect what we didn't anticipate. Yet, that can be a good thing because oftentimes we will only understand the miracle of life when we allow the unexpected to happen. Thankfully, Jesus understands this about us as he has done some crazy radical things to show us the crazy radical love of God. Let's take a look at the five craziest things Jesus did as we continue the upper journey. Everybody doing good? Raring to go this morning? This means yes. I'm going to need your help this morning. I am running on a NyQuil hangover this morning. Have you ever had a NyQuil hangover? The good news is, after four tests, I do not have COVID. The bad news is, I have something that for me is worse than that all weekend long, so I crawled out of bed to come here this morning and be with y'all, but it's so good to be together. I got my cough candy ready, so if I need to eat some candy while I preach this morning, you will understand, I know. So good to see you guys today. Love y'all. It's good to be together. Isn't it wonderful just to come together on a Sunday and see this wonderful church family? Online audience, we are so glad to have you with us this morning. Can we give a big hand clap of appreciation for our online family who are with us? We're in part four of a series called Crazy Jesus. And I got to tell you, this particular message really touched my heart And I don't really want to preach a sermon to you today. I just want to share, really, it may come across one way or another, but uh, I want to share with you just some things Jesus put on my heart out of this passage. This, This passage, the more I studied it, it began to touch my heart in a very powerful way. And I hope it touches your heart the same way today. Did you know that a lot of people who turned out to be geniuses were initially thought to be crazy? I mean, some of the people who invented some of the greatest inventions, who had the deepest thoughts, who just changed society in all kinds of ways, when they initially started, everybody thought they were crazy. There was a young man who was told by his teachers that he was too stupid to learn anything. He went on to invent the light bulb and the phonograph and many, many other things. He revolutionized our whole society. His name was Thomas Edison But he was told as a child he was too stupid to even learn. I love this one. There was a young man who applied for an engineering job at Toyota and was rejected by Toyota and went on and decided he would start his own business. His name was Soichiro Honda. I think maybe they missed something there. Young actress was fired, told she couldn't act, and on top of that she was told she wasn't pretty enough Her name was Marilyn Monroe. A young man didn't speak until he was four years old, and he couldn't read until age seven, and his teacher said he was mentally handicapped. His name is Albert Einstein. Another young man was so obsessive, compulsive in his cleanliness habits and other habits. He was uh, diagnosed, probably not in his day, but we would say he was OCD. They said he was crazy. He didn't get credit for a lot of his work until just recently, and his name is Nikola Tesla. So many times, 
incredible genius is called crazy. So many times when we say somebody is crazy, we have just not recognized their genius. That's why we're in this series called Crazy Jesus, because we want to look at some of the things that seem so crazy to him, so, so crazy to us, some of the things he did, some of the things he said, that we just cannot understand and learn the genius that are in those things. Today we look at this story that really touched my heart. Uh, of the four biographies of Jesus we have in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are three stories that Mark shares that nobody else shares, and this is one of those three stories that we only get from Mark. Let's look at it today, Mark 7, 31 and 32. It says this, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. Now there are a couple things that are important to understand here. Is this man was in, in every possible way an outsider. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Can I see your hands if you've ever just felt like an outsider? Have you ever, I had a guy tell me this once and it really touched my heart and I, and I sympathize with him a lot. He said this, he said, Everywhere I've been in my life, no matter what group it is, I always feel like I'm kind of on the outside looking in through a window. I just don't feel like I really belong anywhere. I am always feel like an outsider. Anybody here that would sympathize with that young man and say, I've kind of experienced that in my life before. Can I see your hands? It's okay to raise your hands. I think it encourages us to know. Keep them up for just a minute. I want you to just look around at how many people would say, I've kind of felt like an outsider, that I'm always outside looking in. Well, this man was an outsider in several ways. Number one, he was an outsider to the nation of Israel. This scripture says Jesus left Tyre, went to Sidon, went to the Sea of Galilee, then went to a place of the ten cities called the Decapolis. Uh, Bible scholars have a hard time figuring out Jesus' route. There are some people who who make it their lives work to sort of trace the geography of Jesus' travels and so they'll make maps showing where Jesus turned and where he went and when he would go north and south and up and down and everywhere. And they will just try. This is one of the most, one of the most difficult passages to interpret geographically as to why he was going where he did. Because he made this really circular route. And people look at the route and they say it just doesn't make sense that he would go that way. Something must be off. I've often said this. When I get to heaven, I want to sit down with the 12 disciples, and I'm going to have plenty of time to do that, like all eternity. I told you I was going to need your help, and so far you're not doing very well. All eternity. And I'm going to ask those disciples, what was it like to travel with Jesus? And I think one of the things they're going to say is, Jesus got off at the wrong exit all the time. We would come up to a fork in the road and we would know we were supposed to go left and he would say, no, I'm going to go right. And I've tried to think of this and, and pray over this and figure even this route out here. When, when it says Jesus went to Tyre and Sidon, this incidentally is in modern day Lebanon. We have a wonderful friend, Winford, who's a, who's, who was a Marine who was stationed in Lebanon for some time. This is in modern day Lebanon. But when we, when we look at it and try to understand this and, and see all the twists and the turns, I've tried to figure this out. 
why Jesus chose this route. Jesus making this route described here would be like me saying, folks, I'm going to head out to Atlanta today and I'm going to stop at Washington, D.C. on my way. You would have laughed if you understood geography just a little bit better. <laughs> because you don't get to Atlanta by way of Washington, D.C. from Hendersonville, North Carolina, unless you're crazy. That's kind of what this passage is saying. I think this is what really happened. I think Jesus prayed two prayers, and I've said this in the last several weeks. I've said it a couple times this year. I think Jesus prayed a couple prayers every day. I think he said, Father, what are you up to today? And Father, what is my role in it? How can I be a part of it? Can I repeat that? I'm, I'm going to, whether you give me permission or not. Uh, probably all year I'm going to be saying this. Can we just pray those prayers in the upward family every day? Can we just get up and say, Father, what are you up to today? And what's my role in it? I think Jesus just got his marching orders for God. I don't think he checked his GPS every morning to see the shortcut. He did not get out his iPhone every day and That didn't go over. Y'all didn't laugh at all. <laughs> I need help today, Lord. These people are not. Um, he just said, God, where am I supposed to be today? And it didn't always have to make sense. The father told him, there's a person over here I want you to go see. And there's a person over there I want you to go see. And I want you to go see them today, not tomorrow, even though it doesn't make sense to your travel plans. How many are going to do some traveling this summer? You're going to take some trips and you're going to go on some meandering paths and you're going to go on vacation. And I know, I know how it is to go on vacation. When I, when I go on vacation, I put the destination in my phone and it gives me my arrival time. And I look at it and say, challenge accepted. <laughs> guys, high five guys. High five, virtual high fives everywhere. Finally, you guys woke up. Thank you, Jesus. They're awake now. High five, challenge accepted. I'm not stopping for gas. Nobody go to the bathroom. We're going to run on fumes because I've got to beat that time. Could I ask you to do something very difficult for us? Can I ask you when you travel this summer, just to say, God, what are you up to on my route? Is there somebody in a, in a service station or is there somebody at a restaurant? While I'm moving, you don't have to obviously be away from home. We need this happening in Henderson County. God, when I'm on my way to work, I'm on my way home. Help me to run into people that you're doing business with and help me be a part of that. This guy was an outsider, first of all, because he was an outsider to the nation of Israel. Jesus was way outside Israeli territory here. He was going to a foreign nation to touch foreign people. And the Bible says in Matthew, it records another part of this story, that when he went into these regions, that these foreign nations had heard of him already, and they brought their sick out into the streets, and they laid them in front of Jesus and begged Jesus to heal them. The townspeople in these foreign nations who didn't even serve the God of Israel brought their sick people out and said, Jesus healed them. And the Bible said Jesus went around healing all of them. He didn't care about their nationality. He loved people. He went beyond his borders. He loved people. 
You know, there's a lot of crazy confusion about pronouns in our world today. And I'm not going to get into all that. But there's a couple pronouns we often use, and I want us to slow down on these and pick up one. I want us to stop saying us and them as much and say we more often. The devil wants us and them. People who want power need us and them. People who want to manipulate us need us and them. Oh, you're going to think I'm being political. Go ahead. The Constitution begins with the word we. We. Need to stop saying us and them, start saying we. Because last time I checked, we are on this earth together. We are making the same journey around the sun every year. Jesus saw the we, not the us and the them. This man was an outsider to Israel. He was also an outsider even among his own people. The Bible said this man had a serious problem. First of all, he was deaf. Bible scholars debate as to whether this man had ever heard before or if he had become deaf. We don't really know the answer to that. We do know that he had a very severe speech impediment. And this made him an outcast in his own world. You know, in our day, we try to help those who who have disabilities. Most of the time, we try to reach out to people And try to create jobs for them, try to create opportunities for them. Technology has come so far that that people have, even people with that are deaf, some of them can have implants and surgeries to where they can hear. And and it's just beautiful to see. I've watched people hearing for the first time, and it's one of the most beautiful things. In their day, when you had an impediment like this, and I want you to think about this man's situation. He couldn't hear anything from anybody. The only sense he had was was sight and and touch, I guess. Really to communicate with people was just what he could see and what he could touch. He couldn't hear at all. And he couldn't speak at all. So he's an outsider because of this. People regarded him as the, this is a terrible term, but it's used in our world today. People just thought of this guy as the village idiot. It's terrible to think about, but nobody took time to really diagnose his problem. It was common in the culture. When a person had this kind of terrible disability, they were just cast aside and treated like refuge, like, like trash. So he was not only an outsider from Jesus' standpoint, from the nation of Israel, he was an outsider from his community standpoint as a person who was disabled. Here's what I get from this is, is that Jesus will go way out of his way to reach an outsider. Jesus will take the long way around to reach someone who's on the outside. And I saw a whole lot of hands go up this morning earlier that said, I've often felt like an outsider. If you're here, if you're watching online and you feel like you're always on the outside, I want you to know, Jesus is coming for you. Because He knows your name. He knows the struggle you have in your heart. And he's coming to welcome you into his family. Jesus loves the outsider. Can we always remember that? Can we always remember that when we see him as us and them, that Jesus loves them? Not just us. 
Come on upward. Come on upward. Not us and them, but we. All right, let's go on in the story. So Jesus finds this man. I do need to stop and say this. This word for speech impediment is, a, is an unusual Greek word that's almost never used in the Bible. In fact, it's only used once in the New Testament. It's called mogilalon. Everybody say that with me. You know, not good enough. Try it again. Uh, mogilalon. It is a Greek word which means a severe stammer. A speech impediment that would have made it impossible for this man to communicate. It's only used one single time in the New Testament. It's used one time in the Old Testament. I mean, you say, whoa, whoa, pastor, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. It was. But there was a Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint that was there in Mark's day. And this word was used one time in that translation in the Old Testament. And it's so interesting, I hope this interests you. It should interest us all. It's used in the book of Isaiah. And the book of Isaiah is a book filled with messianic prophecy. That is Isaiah saying thousands of years before Jesus came what Jesus would be like. And Isaiah described Jesus in so much detail thousands of years before Jesus came to earth. And Isaiah said this in Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. It said, and when he comes, he's talking about the Messiah. He will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak, there's that word, mogilalon, those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Many Bible scholars believe Mark knew this word, and he saw this word in Isaiah, and specifically saw this story as a fulfillment of the Messianic prophecy of Isaiah 35, that says Jesus Christ would unstop the ears of the deaf and give the ability to speak to those who could not speak. Anybody thankful for a Jesus who can do that kind of miracle in our lives? I love him. I love him. Now, let's look at what happened here. Mark seven thirty three. Here's what Jesus did. He saw the guy. He didn't speak to him. Why? He couldn't hear. It says this, Jesus saw the man and he led him away from the crowd so they could be alone. I love Jesus more just reading that. He didn't want to embarrass the man. I don't like these people who always say, God wants to embarrass you. God will put you on the spot. He'll make you look stupid and full. Jesus cared about this man's dignity. He did not want to embarrass him. He also did not want to make a spectacle out of the man. I hate that. I hate it when we get a sick person and we want to pray for them in front of everybody and make a show of them. Oftentimes, we don't really care about the individual human. I, I really, oh, I'm going to, oh, I, I've already ticked people off, so I just might as well go ahead and tick everybody off. I, I don't get in too much to these healings on stage. All these times when we do stuff on a stage with the lights and all just to show. I understand how, how God will. And he did it. Jesus healed some people very publicly. It's not like it's a sin and it's wrong. But Jesus took this man away privately so he could minister to him personally. 
It was just him and Jesus. He wasn't using him as a stage prop. Now, what did he do? He put his fingers into the man's ears, spitting on his own fingers. Here's spit again. Spitting on his own fingers, he touched the man's tongue. Much debate over the centuries is why did he do that? This is what really touched my heart in this passage. I don't believe he did that with any huge theological significance. He certainly didn't do it, so I would have something clever to say it upward this morning. (laughs) He didn't touch his ears and his tongue for the crowd. He didn't do it for us. He did it for the man. He communicated to the man in sign language. Remember, the only thing the man could do was see and touch. Here's what Jesus did. He leads this man. Just picture this. He takes this man. Everybody's around. They bring him out to beg Jesus to heal him. The idea is maybe that they didn't care so much for the man, but they all wanted to see it happen. They wanted a miracle. Jesus is like, hold up. We're going off in a corner. And he takes a man by the hand and he leads him off, right? And he gets into a private place and he puts his fingers in his ears. See, Jesus knew what was wrong with that man. Nobody else really did. They just thought he was crazy. Jesus touched him and said, I know where your suffering is. I know where your problem is. He touched his ears because the man couldn't hear. Then he put his hand on his tongue because the man couldn't speak. Jesus is saying, I know the exact nature of your problem. That's so powerful to me. Oftentimes, I try to diagnose my own problems. Is it just me again? All alone up here, just me? Oftentimes, I think I know what's wrong with me, and very often the problem is much deeper than that. I want Jesus to fix the symptom, and he always goes to the root of the problem. This is what I found out. Jesus knows the depth of your problem. And he wants to come and invade your personal space. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want people putting their fingers in my ear. If you do that to me today, well, God bless you. I hope you're all right. I will cough on you if you try. Any middle school boys here today? Any middle school boys? Any still middle school boys that probably shouldn't be? You ever do this number? What's that called? See, I'm just going to do this to myself, and nobody will do that to me this morning. But wet willy, anybody know what a wet willy is? I really was trying to resist saying that in this sermon, but I knew I would. You just don't invade people's personal space. You don't touch people's face. You know what I mean? Don't touch my hair or my head. I mean, let's shake hands, but uh, Jesus invaded this guy's space. That's pretty intimate to put your fingers in somebody's ear and then to touch their mouth. That's pretty intimate. 
Can I tell you this? Jesus wants to get all up in your space. And it's uncomfortable, but you need to let him get that close to you. You know, you can serve Jesus and follow Jesus at a distance. I believe there are many people who will go to heaven, who will spend eternity in heaven, who never fully experienced the intimacy with Jesus to the degree that God wanted them to on this earth. But I don't want to be that person. I want to let him get into my personal space to stick his fingers in my ear and touch my tongue if he needs to because I want to invite Jesus to a deeper place with me where he just doesn't forgive my sins but he heals my heart completely from the inside out. I want him to have that kind of intimacy in my life. And I'd love it if all of us today would just say, Jesus, be that in my life. So he touched his ears and he touched his tongue to say, I know the exact nature of your problem. Then the Bible said this, looking up to heaven. The next thing he did is he touched, touched his ears, he touched his tongue, then he looked up to the Father. And the man's watching all this. Remember, he can't hear, he can't speak, he's just watching. Jesus looks up, and I think what Jesus looked up was to say this, I'm touching you, the solution to your problem comes from above. The solution to all your problems comes from up here. Can I just shout that from the rooftop this morning? That the solution to your problem is Jesus Christ himself. It's not anything down here. The solution to your problem is not Upward Christian Fellowship. Oh, goodness. If you're relying on Upward Christian Fellowship to solve your problems, you're in trouble. I mean, we're doing some wonderfully good things, but we're doing it by the grace of God. If you're relying on Anthony Craver to be your solution, you're in big trouble. I've learned in my life that whenever I look to anything other than Jesus to fill the needs of my heart, I make bad choices. When I was a young man, you know, you know how to know when you're old is when you say that and nobody laughs. <laughs> I used to say that and people would chuckle like, <laughs> now they're just like, yep, yeah, I get you. Go, keep going. I get you. We're tracking here. When I was a younger pastor, we all have some holes in our hearts, right? We also have some holes we're trying to fill. When I was a younger pastor and the church had 100 people or 200 people in it, I thought, well, when the church gets big, that will fill the hole in my heart. When the church gets large, then I'll feel like I'm doing a good job and I'll feel better about myself. Guess what? The church has grown exponentially. I don't feel one bit better about myself because of that. In fact, there are many opportunities to feel worse Because I got the problems I had then with a zero on the end or two zeros on the end, right? Pastors struggle with that. There may be a pastor listening today and you think, hey, one day when my church grows and gets larger, I'll feel better and it'll fill the hole in my heart. It won't. 
because you're looking to something other than Jesus to fill your heart. You may be thinking, obviously most of you are not pastors, you may be thinking, hey, the next relationship will fill my heart. And the reason you keep having bad relationships is because you're looking for a person to complete you instead of Jesus to complete you. Well, if I can just make enough money, I'll feel better. How many of you have tried that? And you make a little bit more, and what does it create in you? The desire for a little bit more. The solution to every problem in your life is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the only thing, that is the only thing that will fill that hole down deep in here. Jesus is saying, sir, the solution you have is coming from my Father in heaven. Then it said Jesus did this. It said he sighed. Looking up to heaven, he sighed. Could you just sigh for me real quick? That was good. Somebody over here did a great job of that. Was it her? That was the best sigh we've had this weekend. Uh, Can we do that just one more time? I know. One more time. I want to see this again. Can you do it? Did you know I could see that without hearing it? There was a the man could see it as well. Jesus sighed out of compassion. All the time in Jesus' life, he had this upward and outward thing going on. He would talk to God, then look around him and go, Whew. I love I love the upward part, obviously. Right? We gotta have the upward. But we also got to have the outward. Maybe we should change the name of the church again to Outward Christian Fellowship. Because we're focused on the outward too, aren't we? Jesus had this upward with the Father that it got into the outward of his life. He took his relationship to God, with God, and turned it outward to the people that were around him. What Jesus said to this man by the side was this, I care about you deeply. I know the exact nature of your problem. I know where the solution comes from, and it comes from above. And I care about you deeply. Then he said a word. He spoke a word, and the scholars believe it's Aramaic. He said, Ephatha. You know I'm going to make you say that. So (laughs) say it with me, Ephatha. Three of you did. Try it with me again. F fatha. You just spoke Aramaic. And the word means be opened. And his hands on his ears, hands on his tongue. And he says this beautiful Aramaic word, F fatha, be opened. And the miracle happened. And it says instantly this man's ears were opened and he could hear. And instantly, he could speak plainly. Now, I want you to hear me. That miracle is bigger than you might think on first view. Because the guy had not heard. He was instantly given the ability to understand language that he had not heard. And instantly, he could articulate language that he'd never practiced. That's a bigger miracle than a physical miracle. Instantly, he was able to hear and to communicate. 
And that is a picture of what Jesus wants to do in our lives. Be opened. Jesus would say that to you this morning. Amen. Aren't you thankful for a Jesus that did some crazy things? Who loved outsiders. Who loved the we. Who knows our problems. Who's willing to get personal with us. Who points us to the Father in heaven. And who opens our lives. Amen. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, we love you and thank you for this beautiful, wonderful day. We thank you for the opportunity to be together in this place. To serve you, to know you, and to love you. We're thankful, Jesus, for the way you love everyone. God, I'm just praying that. Lord, I pray over the people who are under the sound of my voice right now. Lord, help us to rise above the noise that's in our culture today. God, I pray specifically for these people right now that they'll rise above the noise of the us and them. And they'll be able to have your heart for the we. Not that anyone has to compromise what they believe. Not that anyone would water down the truth. That God, in our stand, in our thoughts, in our hearts, in our attitudes, we remember the we. We remember a Jesus that loves outsiders. Thank you for that, Lord. Your head's bowed and your eyes closed. I'm not going to embarrass anyone this morning. Jesus would not do that. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, today, I want to say yes to Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord of my life. I won't embarrass you, but can I see your hand really quick? I want to say yes to Jesus as the Savior and Lord of my life. Anybody this morning? Anybody today? All right. Another question I want to ask you. How many would say, Pastor, I'm following Jesus. This morning, I want to invite him to come into my personal space and to touch the deepest needs in my heart this morning and to heal me from the inside out. There's some areas in my life I haven't let him into and I want to throw the door open and say, Jesus, come into my personal space. Can I see your hands this morning? God bless you. God bless you. He sees and knows you this morning. He knows where you are and he will walk with you closely and bring healing to your heart this morning. I believe that with all my heart. Amen. Can I ask this? How many could say, Pastor, I've been one of these us and them. I've used those words a lot. Help me to see the we, Jesus. Can I see your hands? Yep, yep, yep. Amen, amen. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. Would you just stand to your feet right now? I want to pray over all of you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this group know you today and love you today and we invite you to be everything you want to be in us today Jesus in your name we pray where my deacons go would y'all come back real quick come on back deacons we're going to do something different how many dealing this morning how many right now you're dealing with a physical 
need in your own body. Maybe a sickness, just something, maybe you don't feel good. There's something, you may have been diagnosed with something, but you got a sickness in your body right now as we're in church together. Can I see your hand? Would you hold them up high right now? You're dealing with some sort of physical sickness. Can I invite y'all to get with our deacons really quick? Would you just step out and stand with them? And we're going to say a prayer for all of you who are dealing with a sickness right now. Would you just step out and get with one of our deacons? Come on, don't, don't. Don't be afraid. Don't slow down. Don't miss it. We're not going to do anything crazy to you. We're just going to stand and pray for you. We're just going to pray over you. And there's something about physical touch that is in the Scripture. He laid hands on people, right? There's something about a physical touch that is so powerful. I want you just to get with them right now. Anybody else, please don't be afraid. I'm just going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to take deacons by the hand, and we're just going to proclaim God's healing over your body right now. We are Pentecostal. That's, no, that's nothing hidden. If you didn't know that, surprise, surprise, um, we believe God to heal sick people. Say, preacher, you got a cough drop in your mouth praying for sick people. Yep, we're not perfect either. Hey, we're still praying, still believing. Amen. Let me just say, right now, this 30 minutes has been the most I've talked in four days without having a coughing spell, so thank God for that. Would you join me right now? Would you just extend your hands right up here towards these people right now? Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I proclaim healing over every life. Jesus, I believe you to heal sick bodies right now by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of and for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ I'm believing you to mightily heal people Father I thank you for it God I'm asking that you do a healing that's deeper than the symptoms God because some of us the symptoms are not the problem there's something deep seated that you want to heal that's the root of it Jesus, I'm asking you to pluck it up by the roots right now in Jesus' name. The root of this problem, the root of this problem is cursed in Jesus' name. And it has to come up, it has to come out, it has to be gone by the authority of Jesus Christ that he's placed right here in this place. We proclaim healing over sick bodies. I'm believing people are going to hear reports from doctors that things that were there are not there anymore. Things they thought they had, they don't have. That chronic things that they've experienced and just given up on, Father. I'm believing you to bring healing to that today. I speak it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Now, I'm gonna do a, we're going to do a blessing today. I'm taking a little time this morning, but we're going to do a different kind of blessing today. We're in Psalm 121. You ready for this? There's a question and an answer. And you got five seconds to memorize the answer. The question the psalmist asks is, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? We're in the mountains. So we'd love to say, yeah, we got you. But no. My help doesn't come from the mountains. Here's the answer you got to memorize. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Can you say that one time? All right.
I'm going to ask the question and I want you to give me that answer again. Where does your help come from? Oh man, I like that so much I'm going to say it again. We might just hold over here and be late for second service today. Where does your help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now I'm going to bless you. Lift your hands from the Psalms. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Now I commission you, go and share Jesus in your world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love y'all. Love y'all. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.